0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the off-season primer edition of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. Major League Baseball's off-season begins in earnest this week, once the World Series comes to an end, and the Marlins have said on multiple occasions that they plan to be aggressive as they try to build this roster and do what they can to leave that 67-95 and 95 season behind them. Uh, before we get to that and look into what they might do or what they should do, they already have made a couple moves. Small small moves, yes, but they have made some moves. First up was Miguel Rojas' contract extension. I mentioned on here last episode that the deal was close to being complete. And, well, two days after this ran, uh, the Marlins and Rojas finalized that deal last Thursday. Two years, $10 million extension. It keeps Rojas in Miami through the 2023 season. And... It was an expected move, and it was the right move to make, especially when you look at Rojas's role and his value to this club. Uh, we could talk about the on-field performance. He's been steady for them for a while now, especially these last three years when he took over that everyday shortstop role. But his true value, the true measure of what he brings to this team, is best best felt inside the clubhouse and away from the diamond. Uh, He's the team's de facto captain, the vocal leader on the youth-laden roster, the guy who back in 2019, when he was just starting to find himself, find his voice, said, I want to be here for the long run, I see where the rebuild is going, I see the direction I want to be part of it. I'm here through the struggles. Let me be here through the successes. And Marlon had rewarded him once after, toward the end of that 2019 season with a two-year contract extension. They did it again this time around. And you were able to see just how valuable he was to the team when you saw how they performed in his absence. Uh, when I look at this season in particular, I look at that one stretch where he was out after injuring his finger, diving back on a pickoff attempt. Uh, against the Phillies. Uh, immediately after that, they have that three-game road trip uh, through Boston, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh, where they went one and eight. Overall, they went five and thirteen in the eighteen games that he missed. And he—it's again, the on-field production helps, but he was that guy who, when things were tough, when things weren't going right, and that happened a lot last year, as we all know, uh, he was the guy who was able to rally the troops, keep everyone upbeat, and find ways to try again out of their funk. Without him, they didn't really have that vocal present among their veterans. Uh, when I remember specifically asking Miggy in Chicago, when he was close to coming back, when I asked him, when you're not in the clubhouse, who do you rely on to be the vocal guy? And his response was, That's, I'm not going to put that on anyone else. They'll find their own roles. And there really wasn't that one guy to do it like Miguel Rojas did. So for them to have him, whether he's the starting shortstop or he moves into a utility role, he has mentioned multiple times, including Thursday after his contract extension, and he told me this back in spring training, he's willing to do whatever role he's willing to play, whatever role it takes for the Marlins to be successful. If he's a starting short starting shortstop, great. If he's bouncing around between third base, second base, shortstop first, he's fine with that. If he's solely off the bench, he's fine with that. If the Marlins end up making a big splash and basically signing his replacement, he will be fine with that as long as that means the Marlins are moving forward and moving in the right direction. And on that note, uh, we had the chance to talk with both Miguel Rojas and General Manager Kim Ang. After the contract extension was formally announced, they did everything inside Lone Depot Park. Uh, so I'm gonna play some highlights from both of them, just what they said, what the deal means and means in the present and moving forward. So first off, here is Miguel Rojas.
1: I gotta say the 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 like, old You know, and uh, I take pride and the hard work that I put would be called big leader. But then after that, I never stopped believing that I can be uh, an everyday church person. And I never stopped believing that I can be a old and I never stopped believing that I can be a local operator and uh, that I can be the everyday speaker. So I always put goals for myself that I can continue. I wanted to, continue to get better. And that's what I did time by time because uh, a lot of people doubt me uh, when I was a uh, former when I got the opportunity to to, to play the first couple uh, minor league levels that I didn't hit I could. So a lot of people were thinking about that uh, that I was a defensive type that I I could never hit. And I actually proved myself and proved to a lot of people that I I can become a a motivation for a lot of other players from from America. Especially from Venezuela, you know. Uh, that's what I think I'm, proud. I'm proud of. Proud uh, of becoming a, a, a live reality of motivating uh, another player. so one of the players that want to play and want to play for a long time in the business. We uh, can accomplish that with hard work and work So for me, uh, that's one of the things that I, that I always wanna think about and respect in my career is giving the opportunity to another player that's fifteen years old so that wanted to play baseball. So do
0: I say that, you, can do you mentioned seeing the organization's intent to be aggressive, try to take that next step. Just how much was that a factor in? Obviously, you said you want to be here, but how much does that help knowing that you heard that and you've seen what they're trying to do? To yeah, definitely, make definitely make my uh, my decision so much
2: easier because uh, I mean they always uh, they always show that they have a plan, you know. Uh, this is a uh, part of the plan and part of the process of. Of uh, building a contender and a, and a winner. So for me, it's not just that uh, that they said it from uh, from their their mouth out. It's, uh, it's putting it out on paper, in, which is something that they're doing right now. I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, hopefully, this is not the only extension uh, that we see from 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 this team because uh, I think we have a lot of players in this clubhouse that they can help uh, uh, a team win a, a championship. And I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, uh, the. Uh, the rest of the career of Sandia and Pablo Lopez uh, uh, guys like them to continue to be a uh, uh, rock from this foundation to continue to help us uh, get get where we want to get and uh, so that's why it's easier for me to make this decision when uh, we have the opportunity to know that we're in that part of the process.
0: Uh, and you mentioned that again you're the shortstop now but you don't necessarily have to be just... Uh, and you mentioned that again. You're the shorts of now, but you don't necessarily have to be. Just when that time does come, just what do you think that's going to be like? When you see that passing of the torch, obviously, not maybe not yet, but when that moment does come, what do you think that's going to be like?
2: Yeah, uh, it's not going to be hard for me because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a team yeah. player, and that's why I'm signing here. You know, like they show they show a commitment uh, to me that they want me to be in this organization for the next two years, and uh, so. All, all that I want to be is a part of the of the team. You know, I don't want to be. Uh, uh, I didn't sign here to be a, the, the shortstop or the third baseman or the second baseman. I, I signed here to be part of the team and to be, of course, a leader in that in that clubhouse. You know, to uh, to show or or to help others that they come they come here for the first time uh, to be uh, to be comfortable and to be uh, uh, to fit right in, in in what we're doing here in Miami. So. Uh, as everybody knows, there's a lot of shortstop out there, you know, in this uh, free agency. I'm not going to be mad if uh, they go after Carlos Correa or Trevor Story, you know. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the day, that's going to make our team better. And for me, it's, uh, um, I'll do whatever whatever it takes for this team to be a, a winner. Um, we haven't won. Uh, we we taste a little bit of the of the playoff last year with me being the shortstop, but uh, it might be... Uh, with me being the first baseman or the second baseman or, or, or the shortstop to be in the worst year. So for me, it doesn't matter where I play uh, as long as
0: we, uh, we put the best product on the field. And now, here's Kim Eng. You mentioned seeing the organization's intent to be aggressive, try to take that next step. Just how much was that a factor? And obviously you said you want to be here, but how much did that help knowing that... You heard that, and you've seen what they're trying to do, to Yeah,
2: definitely, make definitely make my uh, my decision so much easier because uh, I mean, they always uh, they always show that they have a plan, you know, and uh, this is a uh, part of the plan and part of the process of of uh, building a contender and a, and a winner. So for me, it's not just that uh, that they said it from uh, from their their mouth out; it's uh, it's putting it out on paper, in, which is something that they're doing right now. I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, Hopefully this is not the only extension uh, that we see from, from, from this team because uh, I think we have a lot of players in this clubhouse that they can help uh, uh, a team win a, a championship. And I'm really excited to see uh, uh, the, the, uh, the rest of the career of Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, uh, uh, guys like them to continue to be uh, uh, rocks from this foundation to continue to help us uh, get, uh, get where we want to get. And uh, so that's why it's easier for me to make this decision when uh,
0: we have the opportunity to know that we're in that part of the process. Uh, and you mentioned that, again, you're in the the shortstop now, but you don't necessarily have to be, just... So with the Miguel Rojas extension news discussed and locked in, let's go into the business at hand. Uh, some dates to know as the off season gets close to beginning. Free agency will officially begin five days after the World Series ends. So that means Sunday, November 7th, if the Atlanta Braves win it on Tuesday in Game 6. Or it will be Monday, November 8th, if the series goes to a decisive Game 7. Uh, the Marlins' goals are obvious, but Kim Mang, I think, said it the best when we talked with her on Thursday. So I'll just let her say what the team's priorities are for this offseason. Multiple bats,
1: <laughs>
0: Very plural. Um. Kim, can you say that one more time? Multiple bats. (laughs) Very close. Okay, for those who need the quick reminder, yeah, the Marlins need help on offense. They scored the second-fewest runs in baseball this year with 623. They had the third-fewest home runs with 158. And they also ranked in the bottom three in all three of the slash line categories. Batting average was 28th at 233. On-base percentage was 29th at two ninety eight And slugging, they hit three seventy two. That means in addition to hoping that their top prospects take the next steps, and we saw some bright spots toward the end of the year with Jesus Sanchez in particular. Obviously, Jess Chisholm had a full year. Uh, saw some some from Lewin Diaz. We'd like to see him hit for average a little more in addition to the power and what he brings defensively. And Brian De La Cruz surprising everyone through the two months he was there. Uh, adding position players either through free agency or trades are taking top priority. So, one more time, what are the Marlins' priorities going into free agency, Kenang?
1: Multiple bats. <laughs> Very close.
0: Now, whether that's making a big splash by signing a Carlos Correa or a Corey Seager or Trevor Story or going the route of signing a couple guys who are in more of that second-tier range in terms of price, going for like a Nick Castellanos and a Chris Taylor, or players of of that like, or going and using the farm system and acquiring players via trade where there may not be as much depth in the free agency market. A catcher comes to mind outside of the Castellanos-Chris Taylor uh, Starling Marte, Marcano options in the outfield, that might be an option as well through trade. Uh, we're going to find out in the next week or so the initial attempts of what the Marlins are trying to do. And we'll get, it'll be some fun stuff to watch as the offseason takes off. Some other dates of note uh, November 19th is the date to protect prospects who are eligible for the Rule 5 draft by adding them to the 40 man roster. That's anybody who when they were signed whether through trade or international free agency when they were older than eighteen who have gone through who have been there for four years, or anybody who was seventeen or younger after five years without being on the forty man roster. Now, by discussing the forty man, let's just talk about where the forty man roster is at this point. Uh the Marlins have cleared up a few spaces after they outrighted Eddie Alvarez, Andrew Bellotti, Preston Gilmet, and Devin Marrero. And they also outright two guys who were on the 40, were on the 60-day IL and and sent them off the roster as well in Jeff Brigham and Jorge, uh, George Guzman. With that, the 40-man roster is currently at 36 players, but you also have to remember the Marlins still have six players who were listed on the 60-day IL. You have pitcher Cody Poteet, catcher Jorge Alfaro, third baseman Brian Anderson, utility infielder John Birdie. Uh, infielder prospect Jose Devers, and first baseman outfielder Garrett Cooper. So 36 guys on the 40-man roster, six guys on the 60-day IL. That's 42 players for 40 spots. And that's before any offseason additions that they may or may not make. So you're already two guys over, so there still needs to be some housekeeping there. And then you have to look at some of the other events that are going to be going on. Uh, December 1st is an interesting day on two ends. Uh, Earlier in the day on December 1st is the the non-tender deadline, which is the last day where teams are able to decide if they're going to offer contracts to players who are on their 40-man roster and arbitration eligible. Those are guys after the first three years of team control, so years four, five, and six. The Marlins have 12 guys on their roster who are currently arbitration eligible. I'm going to list them off in addition to uh, what they're projected to make, courtesy of the good people over at MLB Trade Rumors. Uh, First baseman, Jesus Aguilar, projected $7.4 million. Right-handed pitcher, Sandy Alcantara, projected $4.5 million. Catcher, Jorge Alfaro, projected $2.7 million. Third baseman, Brian Anderson, projected $4.5 million. Utility infielder John Birdie, 1.2 million. Left handed reliever Richard Blyer, 2.5 million. Outfielder Lewis Brinson, 1.3 million. Uh, first baseman outfielder Garrett Cooper, 3 million. Right handed reliever closer Dylan Floro, 2.4. Right handed pitcher Eliezer Hernandez, 1.4 million. Right handed pitcher Pablo Lopez, 2.5 million. And outfielder Magnari Sierra, 700,000. Now, what they decided to do with these guys, and remember, there are some guys in interesting spots. You look at uh, Magnery Sierra and Lewis Brinson specifically, they're both out of minor league options. So, it'll be interesting to see what the Marlins do specifically with both of them, and also with Jorge Alfaro, especially considering them moving him around during the last couple months of the season, having him go from being exclusively a catcher to having him play left field and first base. And giving all those younger catchers, the Alex Jacksons, Peyton Henry, uh, Nick Fortes, giving all of them extended looks those final two months to see what they do with him and if they're going to be willing to give him two and a half plus million to be on the team in whatever role they're going to have him in. Or they're going to see if they can work out some sort of late trade right beforehand. But you also have to remember, after December 1st, The collective bargaining agreement expires. So unless the league and the Players Association have a deal in place by then, the league goes into a lockout until a new deal is in place. So there's a lot that can happen. There's still a month to go of negotiations and time for that. But what happens if there isn't a deal in place and it looks like there's going to be a lockout? It's going to be interesting to see how free agents handle that and tackle that, especially just whether they decide to go for that mad dash, try to have a deal in place, or if they wait to figure to see what's in the new CBA, what new incentives are in place, how they handle things like arbitration, things like whether or not the universal DH can be, and how things impact everything financially. And then there's a mad dash after the new CBA is in place. And to go back to, the non-tender deadline, it's going to be, I mean, just looking at guys who potentially could get non-tendered and become free agents right as the lockout happens. If the lockout does happen, the CBA isn't agreed to at that point. Those guys are going to be in a very interesting predicament. It's going to be, again, interesting how this all unfolds. And with that uh, tentatively scheduled for... I believe the dates are September, December sixth through eighth are MLB's winter meetings when all thirty teams congregate in one place. It's scheduled to be in Orlando this year. However, if there's no CBA in place and if there is a lockout, very unlikely if that happens because free agency isn't going to be happening. Things are supposed to be at a standstill. So there, the information is out there for the winter meetings. But again, I more than certain that's all tentative on a CBA being in place so it'll be interesting to watch how all this unfolds again this next month is going to be in just watching the negotiations and the free agency and the offseason moves let's just gear up for what's to come and on that note we're going to take a quick break and when we hop back in we'll Touch quickly on where the World Series stands, and then we'll go out west for an Arizona Fall League update. So we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to stay for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do?
3: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Okay, we're back, everyone. Uh, Before we dive into some Arizona Fall League updates and some other minor league stuff, a quick recap of where the World Series stands. Because, once again, free agency can't begin until the postseason comes to an end. Uh, The Atlanta Braves are up 3-2 on the Houston Astros. Game 6 is on Tuesday with a winner game all game 7 set for Wednesday should the Astros come out on top in game 6. It's been a good series so far. They split the first two games in Houston. The Braves then won games 3 and 4 in Atlanta before falling in game 5 in their final game at Truist Park to send the series back to Houston. Uh, The Astros are going for it once again. The Braves are... Again, in the playoffs, in the World Series for the first time since 1999. We have one game at minimum, at most two, left in the the season. And one of the main storylines that pops out to me and pops out to a bunch of other people in watching the World Series, uh, starting pitching, or really the lack thereof, uh, through five games, starting pitchers have thrown a combined 32 innings. Again, that's 10 pitchers, five starts for each team, 32 total innings. No pitcher has gone longer than five innings in any of the games so far in this World Series. Uh, Max Fries and Jose Urquidy both did it in Game 2. Ian Anderson did it in Game 3 for the Braves. Five no-hit innings, I might add. Granted, again, his control wasn't necessarily there. He was basically 50-50 with balls and strikes. I understand the decision for Snicker to take him out, but yeah, just going to point that out there. Uh, and also, who knows how long Charlie Morton would have gone and how the hit, that might have shaken things up if he didn't fracture his right fibula in game one. He only went, I think it was about two and a thirds in that in that game, and that sort of forced the Braves to have to do a couple bullpen games. One time, Marlon prospect Dylan Lee ended up starting game four for them, faced four batters, got one out. Yeah. Uh, and the and the Astros themselves haven't been better. Uh, Zank Greinke went four innings in Game 4. Again, Urquity went five in Game 2. Uh, but the rest of their guys haven't been able to get beyond three innings. So And now they're going back to rookie Luis Garcia in Game 6. The Braves will have Max Freed for Game 6. Uh, so that's where things stand with the World Series. Again, one game at minimum, two games at most left. So season is just about coming to a close and now we'll transition from the world series to the arizona fall league so let's look at how some of the marlins prospects were still competing how they're faring out west and how can we start this with anybody but jj Bleday, uh marlin's first round pick back in 2019 uh first full season of pro ball was a clunker i think is the is the most optimistic way of describing it. He hit just 212 with a 695 OPS in 110 games for A Pensacola. Uh, Blade did finish with a strong September. His final 13 games, he hit 311 with an 826 OPS. So he started to figure things out late, and that success has translated and transitioned over to the Arizona Fall League. Uh, he went 5-for-6 in his most recent game on Monday, uh, he's hitting 400-12 through 12 games overall, 20-50 for 50 at the plate, with 5 doubles, 3 home runs, 18 RBI, 11 runs scored, and 10 walks against 8 strikeouts. It's been an encouraging first two weeks for Bledet out in Arizona. Got, he has about 2.5 more weeks to see if he can continue to finish the season on a high note. Uh, as for some other Marlins prospects for playing out in the Fall League... Uh, the other main hit position player prospect out there is outfielder Cam Meisner, also selected in the 2019 draft. He's been really hit or miss so far. He's hitting 178 so far in the Fall League, which is 80 points below his career average in the minors. But his OPS is 772, which is about on par with what he's done in his pro career so far. The reason for the high OPS, six of his eight hits have gone for extra bases. Three doubles, three home runs. He's also drawn 10 walks and been hit by a pitch, and he has two sack flies to his name as well. Uh, As for the Marlins' other two position player prospects out there, catcher Will Banfield, he's only played in seven games. He only has 25 play appearances. He's hitting 209, 5-for-21, with five RBI and four runs scored. First baseman Troy Johnston, he's hitting 250, 10-for-40, with seven walks, seven RBI, and nine runs scored over 10 games. And the Marlins' only pitching prospect who's among their top 30 prospects per MLB Pipeline who's out in Arizona, Evan Federer. Uh, he made an early exit, got hurt. Obviously, Marlins aren't chancing anything with it. So his Arizona Fall League tenure ends after seven innings over two starts. Had a 3.86 ERA with nine strikeouts against four walks. Uh, the Fall League, it runs through November 20th. And we'll follow up with a couple more updates before it concludes. Uh, hopefully we'll get some insights specifically from J.J. Bleday and Cam Meisner in the near future. So stay tuned for that. And to close out this week's episode of Fish Bites, uh, I'm going to play an interview with Marlins outfielder Peyton Burdick. Uh, he was the Marlins Minor League Player of the Year this year. Uh, the interview was done by myself and MLB.com's Marlins writer Christina Nicola. We did it at the ballpark when the Marlins honored all of their uh, they did all their minor league awards on the last day of the season. Uh, about Burdick, again, he was their third-round pick in 2019. Uh, batting average this year wasn't the best at AA. It was only .224, but he had an .823 OPS, and that was thanks in part to 23 home runs and 79 walks that he drew, both of those being single-season record in Pensacola Blue Wahoos history. He also had 53 RBI, 76 runs scored. Uh, got a taste of Triple A at the end of the year for the final ten games or so, and it's sort of putting him on the fast track to be that first guy out of the top three outfielders from that class. Which again, remember, uh, JJ Bleday was in the first round, Cam Meisner was in the sup- was in the supplementary round, the competitive balance round, I should say, and then Peyton Burke third round. Peyton has slowly but surely become that guy who's most likely going to get the first crack at, at if they go towards any of these young outfielders in 2022. So with that, here is Peyton Burnick.
3: How would you evaluate the season? Uh, it was pretty good. You know, it was nice getting back out to playing after missing a whole year due to the whole pandemic going on. But uh, yeah, it was good to get some exposure and, and get some live reps out there this year and kind of see where where I need to go into the offseason. What are the places you think you made the biggest rise, and where do you feel like this offseason you need to work on to get ready for 22? And I can't on myself <laughs> now. I can't tell other people what I'm working on, but um, I got a lot of exposure with like high fastballs and stuff. So I think going into the offseason, I'm really going to focus on learning how to hit that high heater because the game nowadays everybody's thrown at the top of the zone. So got to really master the top of the zone. How much of the toll, or maybe it wasn't just having not that school year last year, you know, getting started this season? Uh, I don't know. I missed a whole year in college, and it's kind of the same thing, so I kind of kind knew what to expect. But pro ball is a whole different animal with, like, talent-wise and all that stuff. But it was nice getting back out
0: after missing a whole year. Uh, just A in general, again, you spent a full year there. Just how would you evaluate talent level there and how much did it help you doing that and then getting the taste of A at the end of the year?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of talent in A. You know, you get, you get guys, a lot of prospects there, and uh, guys on their way up to the big leagues. So... Um, tons of talent there. Triple A was good exposure. You know, you get a lot of like rehab guys in Triple A and guys that are big league ready in Triple A, but they just can't get the call up because there's somebody in front of them. So um, it was nice getting some good exposure there, and especially going into the off season.
0: How much do you appreciate the vote, of confidence from the front office to let you go up there for the final two weeks?
3: Yeah, it was nice to get my feet wet and uh, kind of see what Triple A was all about, and, and be with those guys that are on the uh, Triple A team. And we had obviously set the single season the record. You know, high OVP, like a little lower average, which is kind of, you know, what's happening around baseball. Just how would you describe the game right now and how you could take that next level? Yeah, so, I mean, everybody wants to sit there and look at average and stuff, but um, the Marlins value um, a lot of other things, too. Like, it's not just average. It's, like, your offensive production and all that kind of stuff and, like, quality of a patch, uh, hard hit balls and stuff. Um, also, it was a... Uh, what was I going to say? I just lost my fan thought. <laughs> well, what was the question? Uh, Marlins are valuing a lot more than just average, oh, yeah, average yeah. production. So, yeah. so it's nice that, that they take that into account as well. And um, I was going to say something else. And I'm totally dribbling. I'm sorry. Um, I'm trying to think. Let's see. Like, I was saying about a uh, yeah, like, around baseball around High oh. OVT, Yeah, yeah exactly. Rubber. Like and, and like going up, you get a lot of uh, other guys that are really good at defensive spots. So like... They hit balls hard, and, and they just find somebody else's glove, and it's just uh, something you have to get used to and, and, and learn how to That's adapt true. to that. How yeah. was it? Also, you got to play, I think, probably all three outfield spots yeah. this year. Just uh, to talk a bit about your defensive game, which I think you saw quite a bit of time at center. Yeah, it was. It was nice moving around a little bit, just showing that I have some versatility. Um, I mean, you learn a lot of things from, like, playing center and, and left and right that, that you can't really learn without, like, doing it. So
0: it's nice to get that exposure uh, Curious, to just because thoughts again. We've been we talking about it back in spring training, just the how deep you guys are in the outfield especially in that high A, double A area, you, JJ, uh, Griffin, Cam, just working with all of those guys. What's that like? How much you guys push each other? and? How much does it help to have that internal competition? to side? Right.
3: I mean, everybody brings something different to the table, and it's nice to get out there and compete with each other. It's like a nice, friendly competition out there, and, and we always all push each other to, to be the best that we can because ultimately you can't be your best without somebody else pushing you, so it's fun. What's your uh, 2022 goal? Have like you made some yet? Yeah. I haven't really thought of it that far yet. I'm kind of like transitioning to the off-season mindset right now, so um, I'm going to do some reflecting when I get back home and just look at how the season really went for me and and areas I need to improve on. the things I did well this year, and then kind of go from there and make a game plan. Yeah, so you finished in the of play. Is it almost like it, it, it tastes the majors, like it's getting so Is it the sense that you could feel it? Like uh, I don't, I don't want to go right. out and say that, but I just like, like being where my feet are, you know, and, and just taking every opportunity that I'm given, especially in an organization like this, where there's a lot of opportunities. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Peyton. Always yeah, Thank
3: appreciate you.
0: it. And that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Fish Fights. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back again next week. Have a good one, everyone.